Emma, and good evening. So like Jason said, tonight we are moving on to the third part of our Uncommon Courage series. So over the last few weeks when um, we've been hearing about this word courage, Ian first started and described it as having to make a hard but good choice at a potential cost or risk. And then Sarah carried on and she spoke to us about needing to have this big courage to be able to step out in faith in big moments. So far, we've been saying that we're calling it uncommon courage because courage is so often the missing ingredient when we are wanting and trying to fulfill God's will. Courage is what we need. Now, we can be talking about courage, but actually it looks completely different to all of us. And right at the start of this series, Ian even said that courage in this meaning, in this context, it's a lot of small moments in our lives that need courage. Now, even this week, I found myself sat in the car outside on the drive of our house, Jacob in the back, and it was pouring with rain. And I actually caught myself saying, as he's getting more and more stressed out, because we're just sat on the drive, I said, hold on, buddy, mommy's just uh, picking up the courage to go out into the rain. And I thought to myself, how ridiculous that I've just said that. I'm preparing a, a message about courage, spiritual courage, and I need courage to get out to go into the house. But this is obviously a much lesser scale, a less spiritual scale than what we're talking about. But it's shown that each of us in every day have many small moments of courage that we need to act on to be able to build up to those big moments. Like maybe you're at school or studying at the moment and you are making choices to go against the grain when it comes to social events, creating different boundaries to those around you, whether that's to language that you use or parties. It takes a lot of courage to make those choices and it could cost, it could cost friendships. Maybe at the moment you're completely invested in your career and you know that maybe a different balance needs to be struck. But this takes courage, and it could come at a cost, a financial cost, or even your own career trajectory. Maybe you're a parent, and you know the right choices that need to be made throughout the day, but you know if you enforce those, you're going to get pushback and arguments. You need courage to be able to build those boundaries in your own home. So we face lots of small moments that need courage every day. But today, while recognizing and acknowledging that is so important, we're thinking about having the courage to slow down. It's a slightly different kind of courage that we're going to talk about. Rather than courage to work, we really need courage to wait. And in modern society that is just speeding up around us, this alone is a challenge. So uh, before we go any further, me and James, we absolutely love going up to the, to the lakes. We love getting outdoors, going for hikes. And um, I like to think I'm quite a healthy person and quite a fit person. But one day we um, went out walking and it wasn't even a particularly big peak we were climbing, but it was a really steep path. Um, James was just powering off ahead of me, and I was struggling to keep up with him. And this was way before Jacob, so I couldn't even use pregnancy or postpartum as an excuse. Um, so 
He's pairing on and nothing makes me more competitive than when I struggle and James just makes it look easy. But frustratingly and a bit embarrassingly, I just had to keep on stopping. And then the squashies came out, my favorite sweet. And so every time I stopped, every 10 steps I stopped, I had four sweets and then carried on. And this is the sort of courage that we're talking about. I didn't stop altogether when I was struggling. I just kept having pauses to refuel. So that's what we're thinking about. I wish this was me saying, don't worry everyone, you can find courage in your favorite sweet treats. Unfortunately not. But in life when we suddenly face something that is requiring more than we first thought, or it's proving more of a challenge, the thing we need to do most is not just stop, and it's not just to power through, but it's to have the courage to just slow it and refuel. So throughout our series, we've been following the story of Joshua. So let's just have a quick recap of what we've heard so far. Joshua, a great man, faced a great deal, and he needed a lot of courage. He was thrust into leadership following the great footsteps of Moses. And then in the story that we've been been following, he needed the courage to lead with conviction. He needed the courage to be able to pass on God's message to get the Israelites to cross the Jordan River. He had to get priests to just pick up the Ark of the Covenant and walk into the Jordan River. He needed to lead the Israelites over what was a huge risk, completely prepared for battle, knowing that they were going to be facing other armies in a matter of days. An absolutely unbelievable amount of courage will have had to be needed from everyone involved. Now, just think how risky that sounds to us. And we know the end of the story. We know they get across safely. We know they get to their destination. But imagine the courage that was needed to take that first step while the water was still running. Courage to step out. And that's what Sarah was talking about last week. A huge amount of courage was needed to follow God's will and not just to run or ask for a safer option. But Joshua was in a great position for this courage. He was primed by his experiences with Moses. He'd seen God's faithfulness and knew that he could fully lean on him. Joshua's history had prepared him for the courage he needed right then and there. Joshua's knowledge of how faithful God could be was the foundation of his faith, and then God was faithful again. The moment the priests stepped foot in the Jordan, the water stopped flowing. The unstoppable force of the Jordan River stood still in the presence of God. Imagine the praise that would just fly out of your mouth in this situation. But the takeaway there is that there is no force, not back then and not today, that can stand in the way of our God's authority and faithfulness. And like Joshua, when we take the time to recognize how good God is and how faithful he is, we can build that foundation of faith, and that foundation becomes stronger. But this does take time, and it does take courage. 
So God was faithful. The Israelites stepped out with big courage in a big moment and God protected them the whole way. This is all still sounding like stepping out in courage, stepping out in courage for working. And so this is where we've come to so far, talking about courage. A massive miracle has occurred and the Israelites have crossed the Jordan safely. Now I apologize if you think I sound a bit repetitive repeating what Ian and Sarah have said. But for the next few points tonight, I wanted and needed us to fully grasp the magnitude of the courage that was needed and the faithful, faithfulness of God that happened in this miracle. So that's our scene set, but we're just going to track back a little bit. So to start with, when we look at the journey that the Israelites uh, took and where they were, although it would have been much, much longer, they could have approached the promised land, Gilgal, where they were aiming, from the south. And there wouldn't have been a huge obstacle in the way. There wouldn't have been a two-mile river at flood stage in their way. But it's no accident that God had them on the route they were on and had them crossing the river here. God intentionally brought the Israelites to a place where no amount of clever leadership, no amount of well-thought-out strategy could have worked. God knew there were huge amounts of battles that the Israelites were about to, to be facing. And he very cleverly, in his all-knowing, all-powerful, wonderful way, he used a miracle of courage to make them slow down to refuel their faith, giving them their own experience to lean on to then move forward. He was bringing the Israelites to a place of just slowing it and waiting for them to be able to recognize his goodness and his faithfulness in their own lives, to build their foundation even stronger so they could face what was to come next. Right, <clears throat> so we're crossing the Jordan the Israelites, they've gathered their courage, they've stepped out, and they are in the middle of a miracle. They're making the two-mile walk across the riverbed. But just look at the word that was used at the end of Joshua 4, verse 10. The people hurried over. Now, I completely get that. I completely understand that. There was somewhere a 20-mile stretch of a two-mile wide river just held up waiting to come back down. At some point, this huge wall of water was going to come crashing down. I get it, we live in Preston. If you've ever been outside with no umbrella and suddenly it goes dark and you see the rain coming, you don't just carry on going slow, you hurry. If you've ever been in a position where you know there's a risk or a threat coming, you don't just dilly-dally, you hurry. On our youth weekend away, in our extremely complicated wide game, running around the woods in the dark, when the hooter went to say that the thieves were about to chase you, I'm sorry, Rebecca, but not one of our youth walked on the stairs. They all hurried. But the thing about hurrying is that you can't take in the significance of the moment. I get the hurrying across the river, but what a shame it would have been for these Israelites to have not soaked up the magnitude of God's faithfulness. So God stepped in 
He sent more instruction, and they weren't finished with being in the middle of the river just yet. But we'll get to that more in a moment. So like I said earlier, we live in a a society and a world that's just speeding up around us in a crazy time where life just flies by. There's so many things happening, changes being made, developments progressing that are all all really good. But we could be right in the middle of a miracle. But if we're hurrying, we're not going to know it. Maybe even not to the extreme of a miracle, but how many times do we hurry around our daily lives and not even realise that the presence of God is right with us? Like in Genesis when Jacob awakes from a dream and says, surely God is in this place and I didn't even know it. So how can we make sure we notice it more? Well, that's what tonight's about. We need to slow down. And this can be a spiritual practice because yes, God tells us and he says to go work, but he also says to wait. He sometimes says, come on, let's go. Let's keep moving. And sometimes he just says, right, let's just slow it down. Now, I feel a bit silly standing up here and saying this because this message is as much for me as it is for anyone else. With a toddler at home, you keep moving all day to try and keep them entertained. You're thinking three hours ahead, right, when's he going to sleep? When does he need food? When's he going to bath? Right, then he needs to be in bed at this time. You're constantly going. Then I'm married to someone who quite often works late nights. So I'm a few hours ahead in my brain thinking, right, James is going to be home. Then we can quickly catch up with each other's day. We can quickly see how we're going, check in with each other. Right, then we go to bed and we do it all again tomorrow. And then back at school teaching, as soon as it's time for lunch, the kids go out the class, but then it's to the printer. It's mark the books. It's set up for the afternoon. And then you don't even know it, but you've had five seconds to eat your lunch. And then even today... I've had such a busy day, a great day, but such a busy day. But before I could come here and share this message, I just needed to slow it. I needed to slow and refuel. Now, you might feel the same in your own situation. So we're going to have a look at tonight's reading again, along with some practical ways so we can know how to slow it down to build our courage, to strengthen our foundation so we don't miss the faithfulness of God. So first of all, we need to practice the pause. What about if every day, instead of just ending one evening, going to bed and starting again and going on that big cycle, we took time to pause and hear from God? Now, this is something that I know lots of you do already. It's something we talk about a lot at church. But it's spending daily quiet time with God. Now, just like I said at the start, that our moments of courage look different to each and every one of us. Our quiet time and our time with God do and probably should look different to all of us. So... In my current season of life, my quiet time is quite often when I'm cooking and I'm able to put some worship music on. So it looks different to each of us. But what matters most when we pause is that we are opening up an opportunity for God to speak to us. It's taking a little bit of time 
to allow Jesus to refuel us, refill us with courage and tell us what he thinks about us, not about what the world is saying about us. So just like us needing to pause, God didn't want the Israelites to just zoom past this miraculous moment. I said earlier that, that God wasn't done with the Israelites in the middle of the Jordan. We heard it in the reading that once the Israelites had finished hurrying across, God instructed Joshua to gather the 12 elders, one from each tribe, to go back and collect a stone from near where the priests were with the ark. They were to bring it across to make a monument to memorialise what had happened. The Israelites knew of God's faithfulness because they'd heard about it from their parents, their ancestors. They heard about the, the parting of the Red Sea. But God wanted them to have their own miracle to feed off, their faith to build because of their own experience. So he created a way for them to pause so they would definitely not miss the significance. He was saying to them, I know you've just made the journey. I know it still looks pretty risky. I know you have a lot to do next, but don't speed past this moment. Don't miss what I've just done. So they memorialized the moment in a very physical and tangible way, taking the time to create a monument to remember this time, to remember their miracle. Without God creating this chance for them to pause, the Israelites would probably, most likely, have just carried straight on, set up camp, and then started preparing for the days ahead. They had a lot pressing in on them, and a lot that would have been taking up their attention. Just like us, we have people to keep in touch with, we have messages to reply to, emails to respond to, We've got washing to get done, clothes, dishes. We've got DIY jobs around the house. We've got cleaning, tidying. We've got work that we need to do ready for the next day. But sometimes we need to push back on those things that are pressing in to allow space for God. There is no shortage of things that battle for our attention. And it'll probably, for a lot of us, feel like we don't actually have the option to slow down because if we slow down our life is just going to keep on going so if I slow I'm going to be behind but is this not the issue that we're talking about is this not the courage we need that we're letting other things take priority over spending time with God if we just let these other things take over our time and our headspace then we won't have the time or the capacity to hear what God is saying and to notice what he's doing. Now, looking day to day, yeah, we might have the odd busy day, we might have a busy period, and it might not sound like much of a risk. But weeks, months, years down the line, we might suddenly realise that we are completely spiritually empty. We've gone so long without hearing and spending those little moments with God that now we've not got anything to go by. We've not got any history to lean on. Is that the life that you want? Is that the life that God wants for you? Because we don't want to just survive in a busy life. But actually, because of Jesus, if we make him the centre of our lives, we can thrive so for some of us, 
pushing back on those things that are pressing in, it might look like practicing the discipline of Sabbath, dedicating a day or a particular time of the week, not to do anything else, not just to have some time off, but to spend time acknowledging God, acknowledging that he is in control, that he is in charge, and just be in the moment with him. Now, pushing back could also look like having the courage to say no, saying no to things that would usually take up our time. But instead of just saying no and having a breather, saying no and using that time to spend time with God. Maybe pushing back actually looks like saying yes, saying yes to the courses going on at church, saying yes to dedicating a period of time that you are going to allow Jesus to fill you up. You're allowing time to go further and deeper with God. Now, however you might find a way to push back those extra things, it's about prioritising God so that we can hear him, feel him and know him daily. So if you find a way in your life to make that happen, then that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if that looks different to somebody else. But could this just be the courage that we've been talking about? The courage to change what we do in order to fill our soul with his good things. So God got the 12 elders to each go and bring back a stone um, from the middle of the Jordan and they had this great monument to remember their miracle. This moment of going back and collecting the stones, that was their pause. That was their taking time, instead of rushing ahead, to just slow it and remember and acknowledge God's power and his faithfulness. This was putting God and saying thank you before the other things that were going on around them. But notice, it's not just Joshua that goes back to get the stones. It's not just, oh, priests, when you, come, when you finally come across, will you just pick up a stone and bring it with you? It's not, we're memorialising this miracle for us. It's, we're marking this miracle for you, and for you, and your tribe, and your tribe. Because the act of slowing down meant that each and every one of the Israelites could personalise God's goodness for them. Yes, he provided and came through for the whole people, but he did it for each and every one of them individually. And things change when they are personal. They just hit differently. Now, I apologise, it's becoming a bit of a habit that somehow, whenever I'm up here, I manage to bring Newcastle United into what I'm saying. But I have always been a fan of football, I guess. I went to lots of Wolves games with my dad growing up because he had a season ticket. But in terms of the football, me going and enjoying a bit of live sport was probably as far as it went. But now, I could quite... Well, I say easily, please don't quiz me at the end, otherwise I'll be put to shame. But I could name the starting 11 for Newcastle. And I could sing, I won't, but I could sing and join in with the majority of the chants and songs for the team. It's personal for James. 
It's a big thing in his family following this team. So it's personal to me. And there's a different kind of joy that comes with that when it's personal. So when God encouraged the slowing down of the Israelites to breathe and take in what had happened, but he then made it personal to each and every one of them, he made his faithfulness and his goodness hit them all completely differently. So when we slow down, that's what we need to do. We need to know that his goodness is personal to each and every one of us. We need to know that it's personal so that we can build that courage. We can build our faith in him more. So the final practice that I just want to mention, uh, it does just that. Now there's lots of things we could call this, but it's the practice of a gratitude journal. Now that just sounds a bit fancy to me, but um, it's just an encouragement for in your everyday life, finding things to be grateful for finding God in the things that are going on around you to be grateful to him for. Finding the love of God around you that show you a glimpse of him working. Now some days this might be huge things that you notice. Some days it might just be a glimmer of him. Now last week I was at my parents' church and the guy that was speaking was actually talking about Moses and in an offhand kind of way, he said, oh, and Moses trusted uh, and did what God said, because when you have a track record like Moses did, why would you not do exactly what God says? And I just thought, well, that's exactly what this message is. If you start to write down and note and acknowledge the things that God is doing in your life, when it comes to the next challenge, why would you have anything other than faith in him? When we acknowledge all that he is doing and we build our faith, it gives us no reason to not trust him next time we are needed. So just like Joshua and the, and the Israelites, their experiences built their foundation and it gave them the confidence and the faith in God when they reached their next battle, their next challenge. While I've been preparing for tonight, um, I've given this a go, trying to find three things in, in my day to be grateful for. And it's been really nice seeing the range of things that I've, I've noticed, from just a nice feeling of home, just one evening, just to the odd special family time round the, round the table, or even just being reminded of a verse that shows me that God loves us. But more than the actual things I noticed... I found myself actively looking for God throughout the day, thinking, oh, what could this be telling me? Or, oh, how is God's love coming through in this way, in this moment? I was wanting to capture everything that God is doing in my life and make him the centre of what was happening around me. And they're all faith stories. When we notice and acknowledge these things to be grateful for, they're all faith stories. So what faith stories do you have? They might be big, pivotal moments, amazing miracles, or maybe just seeing some amazing love in the ordinary. You may be able to recount a huge list and take time to slow down and be filled to overflowing because you've just got such a history that has built your faith up. 
But equally, you might be sat there desperately looking for the safer, easier option to cross the river without courage and not many or even no faith stories to lean on in any sort of confidence. But if that is you, tonight could be the start of your faith moments, hearing that God is so, so good. Maybe tonight you start to recognise that actually God has been with you all along. And now you're encouraged to slow down, you can notice that he's in your life. The chapter ends, chapter 4 ends with a great reminder and one final challenge. So Joshua 4, 24 says, He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The words so that appear twice. There was a reason for this whole experience, this whole miracle. God was intentional. He had a purpose, a personal purpose, but also a purpose so the whole earth can see that he is powerful. So everything that God does in our lives is intentional and personal to us. But while it's personal, it shouldn't be private because God works in our lives so that we can share it with the people around us. We can share and let our experiences help other people build their foundation. When we notice God, when we slow down to notice what he is doing, we should share it with our family, with our friends, with our church. How much greater will all of our foundations be if not only we are noticing what God is doing in our lives, but in each other's? How much more courage will we have when we need it next, when we hear nothing but God's faithfulness. So yes, when we face big challenges and big moments, we need that big courage to step out. But in some moments in our lives, and maybe some, some seasons a lot more than other, others, we need the courage to just pause, to set those boundaries and to slow it down in order to recognise how powerful God is, how he's still working, and then we will have the confidence to go again. So as a start to this, in a moment we're going to be sharing communion together. And this may well be the perfect moment to stop and take God in. Because even if you are in a position where you're struggling to think of any faith moments... Communion is a reminder of the best faith moment for all of us. So let's just pause and start there. Let's just slow down and start there knowing that you have a God that sent his son for you and wants to know you, wants to be in your life and continue from this moment building and encouraging your faithfulness in him and all the goodness that is around you.